Good morning. How are we doing? We're going to light our third Advent candle this morning. Let's pray together. Christ, our healer and rescuer, be born in each of us today. Raise our faces to your face, not knowing fully who we are or who you are, knowing only that your love is beyond our knowing and that no other has the power to make us whole. Come, Lord Jesus, to each who longs for you, even when we have forgotten you. We light our third candle to praise God, whose spirit comes to us with disturbing and wonderful blessings. Living Christ, give us faith to trust you, hope to follow you, and love to live for you. Be born in us anew today. We trust you, we love you, we praise you. Amen. All right. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 1, and I want to do a little review of where we've been uh, to catch us up to where we're going today. So we've been exploring this 2,000-year-old story. And one of the reasons, uh, as I've said, that I think it's so powerful for us to look at these stories, th these stories that God has given us, is because these stories are filled with human emotion, they're filled with divine love, they're filled with uh, things that connect to us here and now, today. And, and so I simply want to invite each of us uh, to take a breath, receive from God, uh, and believe that, that God has something for us in this story today. So where we've been is uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at this guy, Zechariah, who's a priest, and he was in the temple offering incense before God, and the angel Gabriel appeared to him. And even though Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, was well beyond childbearing years. The angel said, your wife is going to have a child. They, they had never had children. And uh, he found this hard to believe, and so the angel kindly let him know he could be quiet for the next nine months uh, and contemplate all this while it was happening. And then the same angel, six months later, appears to Mary, who was not married who had never been with a man, and said, you are going to have a child. The Holy Spirit is going to hover over you, and a child will be conceived within you. And so, uh, for Mary, she said yes to this divine invitation. She said yes to this risk of joining God in this epic, redemptive story, to being a carrier of the divine. And we talked last week about how each one of us are carriers of the divine. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we are invited to live and give birth to the holy in a way that blesses the world. And so I wonder for Mary, who, who could she go talk to who might understand uh, a miracle, who might understand an angel showing up, who might understand what she's going through. And this is where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 1. And I'm in verse 39. It says, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, 
where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So she goes about 100 kilometers to go and be with Elizabeth. And we don't know if she made this journey alone or if she was accompanied. The, the text doesn't tell us, but we know she made this long journey to go and be with Elizabeth and, and to experience this beautiful relationship of togetherness, an older woman with a younger woman, a younger woman with an older woman, sharing life together, sharing stories together. And, and they just got to share together because the old Zechariah couldn't speak anyhow. So he's forced to be quiet. And Mary and Elizabeth get to share life together. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. And so Zechariah, by vocation, is a priest. But what we see here is that his wife, Elizabeth, is a prophet. And she's speaking from the Spirit words from God. And so her son, John, will follow in her footsteps as a prophet. And she proclaims that this young lady in front of her is the mother of the one, the long-awaited one, the one who has been promised from long ago. Uh, something just amazing is happening in this encounter. So amazing that the baby feels it and kicks. The, the energy in the room is, is so ecstatic that the baby kicks. Uh, how many... Moms in this room, uh, remember the first kick you ever felt. What, what was it like? What was your experience of that? Joyful. Joyful. Terrifying. Terrifying. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Somebody else. Nobody else remembers but Juji? Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you might even say miraculous, right? Just something amazing is taking place. And, and this uh, amazing encounter in this meeting between Mary and Elizabeth and the joy that is felt and the energy from the Spirit. Uh, w when the Spirit is moving, something just beautiful happens, doesn't it? Uh, we, uh, we went to our youngest daughter's dance recital yesterday and just seeing... The, uh, the music playing and the dancing going on, something, the movement of the spirit in some way. There, there, there's a reason why our bodies are compelled to move because the very spirit in us is moving us along. We, uh, we left there to come here to Bay Marin to do a children's ministry Christmas party. We had 19 kids buzzing with energy in the student center uh, celebrating Christmas together. And there's a reason why Jesus says the kingdom belongs to such as these. Uh, the spirit doing something in young children. Uh, on our way here from the dance recital, we're stopped at a red light and I see this guy across the street waiting to cross the street and he's got headphones on, he's got a dog and he's just moving and singing. And I said, to my kids, look at, look at that guy across the street. And they just start laughing. But it's like, 
something's going on in that guy. It's bringing joy. It's bringing energy. It's bringing life, the spirit moving. And this is what's happening in this encounter between Mary and Elizabeth. The spirit is doing something exciting in their midst. And they are overjoyed that this long-awaited one has finally been conceived. And God is on the move. And something is about to burst forth, new creation bursting forth right in the midst of this one. And uh, there's something about music, isn't there? That, that just move. Why does music move us so deeply? Uh, sometimes we, we can't adequately put things into words. So the, some of the best attempts we have at putting things into words are through uh, the language of poetry and lyrics to songs to try to just begin to put some emotion, something to what we are feeling. And this is exactly what happens to Mary. Her response to Elizabeth is lyrical. It's a song. She, it's called Mary's Magnificat. She bursts into this song and she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. No, notice the language she's using there. She's using her body. She's using her voice and she says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is a holistic response from Mary, something just massive and beautiful going on inside her that can't help but burst out from her. She says, God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Uh, all generations will call me blessed. She's, she's talking about this, this beautiful thing that's happening within her as a carrier of the divine. And she uses language of God's holiness and God's mercy uh, that ultimately... God's love extends to all creation. God has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in, the inner, in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. This is the story of humanity all the way through, is that great rulers come and go, and yet God, it seems, is always working in those who are not powerful in the world's eyes. God, God is always working in the lowly. God is always working in the humble. And, and this is what Mary is reminded of in this song, that she, a, a humble, poor peasant girl, is the one who has been chosen to carry the Messiah and give birth to the Messiah. And God chooses to come among us in and through a human mother who is poor and a peasant. Not amongst royalty, not amongst the rulers and the powerful of the day, but amongst the lowly. And it is the lowly who are invited to first come and worship this baby. Shepherds abiding in a field, taking care of their flock by night. It is those on the underside of power. It is those who are low in the world's eyes 
that God is always using to bring about his redemptive plan to the entire world. Um, Reading this, I was reminded, you sang a poem, I'm going to read a poem. Uh, I think they're a contemporary, Longfellow and Shelley, only opposite continents. Um, Percy Bysshe Shelley wrote this poem called Ozymandias, and he writes it of a guy who is an Egyptian uh, ruler, and he says this, I met a traveler from an antique land who said two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Uh, Shelley writes this uh, of this man who is a great ruler of his time, but in essence says, nobody remembers him. That there's no legacy. That there's nothing that people look to and say, oh, Ozymandias. Remember Ozymandias? Uh, and as I ponder Mary's song and our lives, it causes me to ponder uh, what, what do we want to be remembered by? What kind of legacy do we want to leave? And in what ways are we investing in relational legacy, in generation to generation, in a legacy of love that will move from generation to generation to generation? Uh, she continues, He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. Uh, that should be, bring great comfort to us living in the wealthiest nation of the world. Uh, that he fills the hungry with good things and sends the rich away empty. Now, I don't think Mary is saying uh, that if you have wealth, you're empty. Uh, if that's the case, we would all be empty. Uh, we live in the wealthiest nation of the world. I, I think she's simply singing a song to help us remember uh, that money doesn't buy happiness. Uh, that wealth cannot bring us joy. Uh, and so I think uh, the question or, and what we need to wrestle with is actually more difficult for us today than maybe it was for Mary. Ma Mary knew joy in her poverty and her lowliness. And so the question we have to wrestle with is how do we find joy with our wealth? How do we find joy in an age when we have excess, when we have more than we need? Uh, and so some questions I think we wrestle with. Oh, first, all through hum human history, humanity is tempted to live by the myth of scarcity, and we must hear God's lyric of abundance anew. 
Uh, Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann talks about this a lot. He talks about how we live with the myth of scarcity, that we don't have enough, that we don't have enough, and, and that which we do have, we just cling on to, afraid to death that we might lose it. When all along, God is singing this lyric of abundance. I am enough. You are enough. You have enough. You have more than enough. Uh, will we embrace the lyric of abundance? Or will we live with this myth of scarcity that we don't have enough? Uh, so these questions, is God the source of all life enough for us? Can utter reliance on God empower us to relax our death grip on goods long enough to see what is enough? Will it cause us to respond with generosity? Uh, so, so what will we do with our more than enough? Um, because some of you have emailed me and uh, talked to me and asked, I'll, I'll just share simply, um, you know, I've been teaching at the Quest for a couple of months now. They're paying me a little bit of money. Uh, when I took on that, I took a salary reduction here. Uh, so uh, the reality of our financial situation, has, as has been shared, is not great. And, um, you know, so I, I can go out and get a third job. I can, I can drive for Uber. Uh, that's not beyond me. I rode in an Uber Friday night. It's great fun. Um, so I, I just simply wonder, for us, uh, you know, 20 years ago, when my wife and I got married, we, we simply committed together, we will give 10% of our income back uh, to the church, and then we will give above that to other organizations. Uh, I'm not saying 10% is a magic number. I'm not saying you need to do that. You need to uh, wrestle with that yourself. Uh, I don't think 5% is a magic number, 10%. Zuckerberg gives 99%. So uh, you... you need to discern yourself what your own capacity is. Uh, and if, if you're willing to give back to God in a way that, uh, frankly, might be uh, sacrificial. For uh, a number of years, for Jenna and I, it was beyond sacrificial. Uh, we would, because we were so committed to it, we would cut out a vacation. We would cut out this or that but we would never cut out our giving. And I'll tell you this, what Bamerin has done, uh, we have committed every year to our outreach partners, and we have never called them and said, we don't have enough money to pay our commitment. We have always paid what we promised our outreach partners we would give them, sacrificially, at the expense of our church and things for our church. We have fulfilled those commitments. Uh, and, and I hope we can continue to fulfill those commitments. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the movement of God's Spirit and the, this amazing energy that happened between Elizabeth and Mary and what I believe can happen with us. Uh, so a few thoughts here. We are not human beings trying to be spiritual. We are inherently spiritual beings. So here's the thing. You cannot try to become spiritual. 
you already are. You already are a spiritual being. Uh, created in God's image. The very image of God implanted within you. We are physical and spiritual beings, holistic. We cannot try to become spiritual. All we can do is say yes to the fact that we already are. All we can do is wake up to what God's Spirit is doing within us as spiritual beings because we're always being formed one way or the other. We are either being deformed or transformed in the way of Jesus. And so we simply get to say yes to the movement of God's Spirit within us. Uh, So the question is, how do we become more fully human? How do we live into this physical, spiritual reality that we already are? What does it look like to reject and say no to the forces in the world of fear and anxiety and uh, control and manipulation and say yes to this invitation of love and joy and peace and hope that we are invited into? Uh, there, There is a way of being more fully human that the Spirit of God invites us into every moment. I've talked about this before, and I I think it's just uh, simply a good reminder to to recognize again. It's this reminder that uh, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, fire, another symbol of the Spirit moving, when God appeared to Moses and Moses asked God's name, The English translation is, I am who I am. Uh, The Hebrew for that is only four consonants, Y-H-W-H. And the ancient rabbis believe that it's pronounced Yahweh. And many believe that it's the sound of breathing. Yahweh. And the simple fact is, every breath we take, we're proclaiming the holy. We're proclaiming God's name. We're breathing in the Spirit. We're exhaling the Spirit. The most ardent atheist in the world is speaking God's name when they breathe. Breathing in God's Spirit. Exhaling God's Spirit. I I believe we're just simply invited to wake up to the presence of God already moving through us in the invitation to live into that in really beautiful ways. Next slide. The Spirit works in individuals for the sake of the whole community and the sake of the planet. It's moving from the inside out toward the cosmic scope of redemption. And so this movement of the Spirit through us is not simply... For individuals, it's not simply for us. It's for the sake of the community. It's for the sake of those around us. It's for the sake of the planet, God's cosmic scope of redemption. We are invited into this way of being. Uh, th- this God, uh, my simple definition of God is a, a community of self-giving love. God is, we historically understand in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is a community of self-giving love. And if that's the case, then this. Next slide. God is so communal that the divine presence resides within us. The very nature 
of this abiding love. If God is a community of self-giving love and we are created in God's image, we are simply invited into that divine communal love that we, when we best represent who God is to the world, we are a people of self-giving love, allowing that love from God to flow through us. Uh, Teilhard de Chardin said this, the very physical structure of the universe is love. If we believe this, next slide, God is love, and God has filled everything in every way with love. Uh, the very foundation of our being is God's love. And it flows in and it flows out. Flows in and it flows out. Um, there's a gal named Catherine Lacourna. She wrote a book about that thick on the Trinity. And the way she wraps the whole thing up is with a final sentence. It's worth the price of the book. I'm going to go to the second to last slide, Rebecca. She says this, The very nature of God, therefore, is to seek out the deepest possible communion and friendship with every last creature on this earth. The very nature of God is to seek out the deepest possible communion and friendship with every last creature on this earth. Uh, when I was speaking about this at the Quest just an hour ago, uh, and God's spirit moving and every last creature, uh, a dog ran through the auditorium <laughs> at that moment. I kid you not. Uh, and somebody shouted out, spirit's moving. Uh, every last creature. So I wonder this. Last slide. What does it look like for you this week to seek out the deepest possible communion with God and embody divine love? Uh, what does it look like to seek out the deepest possible communion with God and live out this divine love? What does it look like for us this week to give birth to God's love to those around us, to the world, uh, to those we love, to those we don't love. Uh, every encounter, every moment, what does it look like to seek the deepest possible communion with God and give birth to God's divine love in the world? Uh, one way each week we practice uh, seeking deeper communion with God and with each other is through the bread and the cup. This beautiful physical reminder that is somehow also spiritual. Uh, this holistic reminder of God's love for us. That on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Uh, divine love. Uh, God's love for the world spilled out his body and blood. He took the cup in the same way, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Or we could say, you proclaim God's self-giving love.
Spirit moving? I don't know. Uh, well, it might be God. Uh, we proclaim God's self-giving love until he comes. Is he coming? Not yet. He's already here. Let's pray together. God, we love you, and we are so grateful for your love for us. God, wake us up more and more to your presence within us. Wake us up to your love flowing through us, your very breath. God, compel us to be a people who move outward, joining you in your cosmic work of redemption. God, meet us in this space, in the bread, in the cup. Remind us of your life and your death and the power of your resurrection and the opportunity to live the life Jesus taught us to live. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the Jesus who is God among us, God's love made manifest in our midst. Amen.